Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance, and that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. 0186 and tell them that Ben sent you for a no cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Happy Monday and welcome into another edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And joining me is long lost friend Nicholas Suss. Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, friend. I'm, I'm sleepy. I spent a week in Indianapolis not sleeping, but I'm home. I'm good. Well, good. And hopefully you've, you've recovered enough to tell me how Ole Miss Rebels did in the NFL Combine. But Nick covers the Titans, the Tennessee Titans for the Tennessean now. No longer covering Ole Miss. It's been a while. How's everything going? How's life? in Nashville before we get started here. Yeah, things are things are pretty good. I can't remember if we've done the podcast since I've gotten married or not. So I think Mazel's off. But yeah, um things have been going swimmingly. We are exactly the same people we were before the wedding, so that has that's good. Nothing's changed there. A lot less sitting around and stressing about things like well, what if so-and-so gets a little too drunk and gets mad at other so-and-so? So that part's been good. But, um, yeah, life life keeps happening. How are you, buddy? I'm good. What did y'all do for the honeymoon? I uh, haven't done it yet. We're we're going May to Costa Rica. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be good. I've never been out of the country. She has been to Costa Rica before. Two very I, different kinds of people. I've been out of the country but never to Costa Rica. So you'll have to report yeah. back and tell me how it went. I, I will definitely, I won't do a show live from Costa Rica. I can't make that promise, but, but maybe afterwards. Yeah. You can text me after you land back from Costa Rica. Don't like communicate with anybody, but your wife on your honeymoon. That's, that's a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while you spent the weekend covering the combine in Indianapolis, I spent the weekend in Memphis, Tennessee, watching the latest of Riley's, my youngest, her cheer, her gymnastics cheerleading competition. And they finished first awesome. in their group. Yeah. That's so, fantastic. Good big for weekend for both of us. <laughs> uh, how was the combine? Dude, I, I don't know why. I, I've watched this thing my whole life. I think a lot of us have. And you have these preconceived notions of what it's going to be. And then you walk in and you're just like, oh, this is SEC Media Days. Okay. Yeah. This is just a bunch of podiums are set up. And yeah. you talk to people. And it was awesome. It was really cool. It was It was a really enriching opportunity and you guys know me so well as a guy who really really loves the bar scene so all of the all of the fun that most nfl media and agents and coaches have staying out till 3 a.m at random steakhouse bars wasn't exactly my thing i tried it a little bit i I tried my hardest but yeah man it was it was a good time a lot of waking up at 8 a.m and going to bed at 2 a.m and doing it again the next day did you have any of those moments where you've been watching this all your life and go, oh, wow, I'm at the combine? 
I don't know. I, I think that some of that was there, but then the other part of it, you're, you're watching the combine and you're just like, Oh, what am I doing? Like, this is on TV. Why am I, <laughs> yes. why am I sitting here? They don't have the times up on the scoreboard. Like yeah. you're watching the 40 and it would be better to watch it on TV when they're telling you what time they ran. They were deliberately blurring it out. Like they were showing the TV feed, but blurring out the bottom line for some reason. So the people in the stadium were just like, you think that was a four, six? Uh, probably, probably somewhere around four six, right? You think and one of those veteran the, guys that have been there so long would have a stopwatch with them? You'd think, but for the most part, we were just sitting around like, yeah, that was that was a, that was a that was a good backpedal by that defensive tackle. I'm I'm glad they made him do that drill. So the benefit of being there is all the players you get to talk to about whatever. All the want. players, all the coaches, all the agents, pretty much everybody in the NFL is there for a week. What did you learn? Oh man, so many things, so many things, mostly useless, but so many things about these people and how they see themselves and what the buzzwords are for the year. I spent a lot of time talking to offensive linemen and just about all of them. When you ask them, what's the thing that separates you? Every single one of them is like my athleticism. I'm the best athlete in this group. I was like 10 years ago, if you ask an offensive lineman what their traits are, I don't think any of them are going to be like, look at my athleticism. No. Look at, look at how much of an athlete I am, but the buzzwords and the way the NFL is changing and all that stuff, it's, it's kind of remarkable um, what, what people want, what people want to communicate. I thought some people did a phenomenal job of selling themselves. I think others probably could have stood to take some sales training. Because if that's what you're doing, if this is your 20 minutes to sell the media on why they should hype you up leading into the draft, some people didn't seem all that interested in selling themselves and other people put on a show. And That's hard to do, I mean, though, we, man. That's a, that's a yeah, cult of personality oh, not, thing. Yeah, I'm not judging people for not, but like, I remember I was standing next to Will Levis, and I mean, we've talked about Will Levis on the show before. I've never thought he was a superstar in training or anything like that. But somebody asks him, Hey, a lot of quarterbacks chose not to throw at the combine. You're choosing to what, why, why did you want to throw? And he just looks the guy dead in the eyes with a smirk and says, cause I got a cannon. Yeah, that's good. And, and I'm just like, that's, that's what you're supposed to do here. Yeah. You're supposed to come off a little bit cocky because nobody at the combine is bad. Like I kept having to tell people that, and they're just like, oh, that sucked. This guy's terrible. I'm like, no, he's one of 300 or so college football players good enough to make it to the NFL Combine. He's really good. They're all really good. It's just varying degrees of really good. Who were Nick Suss's five biggest winners from the NFL Combine? So me personally, I wrote an article about this. The guys that I was most impressed by, these are kind of down-the-board guys, but Darnell Wright, an offensive lineman from Tennessee, came off so intelligent, like was talking about the differences between blocking Will Anderson and blocking BJ Ojolari and how you have to prepare for them differently and miming through technique and explaining why one guy you have to set more inside, one guy you have to set more outside, how you use your feet, how you use your hands. And when Will Anderson says, yeah, you're the toughest guy I went against in college football, you're automatically going to look like a really cool guy. But the fact that you can back it up and be like, oh, yeah, it wasn't even that hard. Here's how I was able to slow him down. That That's going to rocket you up draft boards because people are going to keep watching tape of Nolan Smith, of B.J. Ojolari, of Will Anderson, of Miles Murphy at Clemson, all the teams Tennessee played this year. And they're going to keep seeing him blocking pretty well. I think he's going to rise up boards. I came away really liking a defensive end from Louisville named Yaya Diaby, uh, not just because he's got a cool name, but that helps. It's a great name. Um, he looked me dead in the eyes at one point when I was interviewing him and said, you're going to be writing about me tomorrow, trust me. And then he went out and ran a 4.51 at 270 pounds, and I was like, okay. That's the, nice, that's, that's the perfect balance of cockiness and like what you need to have for the combine. Because the thing he was talking about, he's like, NFL teams keep telling me they think I'm slow. And I know I'm not. And you're going to be writing about this tomorrow. And then he goes out and like, we're going to all talk about Nolan Smith running a four, three, nine at two thirty, And that's incredible. Like that's unfathomable, but I'm still more impressed when a dude pushing two seventy can run in the low four fives. That's, that's really good. Oh, that's absurd. And obviously, 
Yeah, and obviously, like, Elijah Cansey from Pitt, the defensive tackle running in the four sevens is just unbelievable, unreal, just can't can't be fathomed. But, yeah, I really liked him. I came away. I always love when people get to the combine and you know they're college superstars and they're just talking about how much they love special teams. Like, that's just good coaching, getting there and knowing you're probably a fourth or fifth or sixth round pick and just being there and, like, Oh, dude, I love being the gunner on punt team because that's how you get drafted yep. if, if you're being that selfless. So Trey Tucker from Cincinnati, he's like a five nine slot receiver who's going to be probably a pretty solid kick and punt returner at the next level. Um, big fan of of him for just coming out and being like, oh, man, I know I'm a good kick returner, but I love punt returning more and just selling yourself on. I can do six things. Please draft me. Yeah. And then one more name. Uh a little less obscure name, we should say, who really impressed me. Uh, you heard of this guy, Stetson Bennett? Really? Really? Yeah. Like, I I don't want to be the guy who's just sitting here and, like, he did everything right. But I watched every single throw he made. He went before Will Levis just about every single time. The two of them went back to back. And I wouldn't be darned if Stetson made every throw Will, Will Levis did. They both were timed at the hardest possible throw they threw, 59 miles per hour, both of them. Will Levis out here saying, I got a cannon, throws exactly as hard as Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's dropping 55-yard uh, deep balls in the pocket, three perfect ones in a row. Like, the dude in his interviews is so bored by the questions of, do you think people are going to overlook you? He's done this so many times and you can just hear in his voice, see in his eyes. He's just like, yeah, people doubt me. Okay. I've proved every single person wrong ever. Like I'm going to do it again. And it's just like, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I'm not a prognosticator about this, but if it's between taking Anthony Richardson fifth overall and staking your entire future on him, or taking Stetson Bennett in like the fourth round, I I I would have no problem being like, oh, if I I've, I've got a quarterback for a year or two, let's see if the Stetson I can grow into something. If not, no pressure. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about those guys. Once you get past Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, I would wait. But Anthony Richardson goes off and and just terrorizes the combine, puts up numbers that no quarterback has ever put up before. And the hard thing about the combine and the evaluation leading up to the draft is it wasn't that long ago. It was last fall. I remember the tape. So it's hard. Yeah, yeah it, it's hard to to figure out which one do you trust more. My eyes or my eyes. No, and I I look at Anthony Richardson and somebody who's not a big draft fan, a friend of mine texted me yesterday and said, So are people changing their mind about Anthony Richardson, are people like changing their tune? No, not a single person has changed their opinion about Anthony Richardson. The people who were saying, oh, this is a freak athlete, look at the traits, are still saying that. The people who were saying, but have you watched the guy, are still saying that. All that's changed is the people who weren't talking about Anthony Richardson are talking about him now. And so there's a lot of people who were just like, yeah, no, I don't know anything about him, who watched him for the first time on Saturday and were like, oh, my God, you got a six foot four, 240 pound quarterback running in the low four fours who's out here throwing 70 yard passes and jumping 41 inches. That's unreal. And that's all that's changed is there's more attention on him now. And I think he's going to be a top five pick. Look at it. He's too talented not to be a top five pick. He's going to be the let's third quarterback off the board, in my opinion. And let's say he lands with the Seahawks. Let's say the Seahawks franchise tag, Geno Smith, they get one more year of him and they get to kind of train Anthony Richardson under Geno in an offense that already kind of knows what it's doing. Awesome. That's cool. That's really cool. That's a great fit. Let's say he goes to the Detroit Lions at six and gets to learn a year behind Jared Goff. Any of those things, fantastic. I think that's perfect for him. Let's say he goes to the Indianapolis Colts at four and has to start immediately. There are going to be some growing pains. And and that's natural. Uh, I think every quarterback I've ever seen come into the pros, with the exception of like RG3 had growing pains. Like rookie quarterbacks tend to struggle. Peyton Manning very famously led the NFL in interceptions his rookie year, and 
he came out fine. <laughs> Brett Favre got traded. These guys struggle early, and Anthony Richardson's probably not going to be an exception to that. But if you give him the chance to come out and fit and learn, sure, he could be Cam Newton. He could be the guy we thought Vince Young was going to be. He could be any of those superstar, superstar quarterbacks that have these just tangible skills that reinvent football. But it's got to be the right fit. It's got to work. He could be Josh Allen. Josh Allen was an impressive as far as game tape coming out of Wyoming. I mean, I think, I think his senior year he threw for 2,000 yards. And he had yeah. Anthony Richardson throwing for 2,500 at best at Florida's last year. And he had a different coordinator every single year. You could, you could make up a lot of excuses to talk yourself into Anthony Richardson as a potential franchise quarterback. And I honestly would be like, oh, I get it. But me personally, I'm kind of with you. I mean, after C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young – once those two are off the board, if I'm quarterback hungry, I, I go try to get Jameis Winston now from the Saints and Derek Carr is now a New Orleans Saint. I, I go find a one-year stopgap and draft, or draft somebody like a Stetson Bennett or anyone in the back end. Same thing with running yeah. backs. I mean, everyone's talking about Jamar Gibbs and John Robinson, but my God, Zach Evans is going to be there in the fourth or fifth or sixth. Oh, sure. And it's like, if you look at, to, to finish on quarterbacks, if you look at the list of quarterbacks that are expected to hit free agency this year, you got Baker Mayfield. You got Sam Darnold. You got Teddy Bridgewater. You got Jacoby Brissett. You've got that was um, three three out of those four were first rounders. Yeah, and, and yeah, a lot of those guys were supposed to be stars and turned out to be average. Jimmy Garoppolo is another one who's going to be a free agent. Um, Mike White from the Jets expected to be a free agent. You got all these guys who are starting caliber quarterbacks. Who, if you need a stopgap and you are willing to pay one year 20-something million dollars for Sam Darnold, for Teddy Bridgewater, for Jacoby Brissett, go do it. Like, there are too many quarterback needy teams. Uh, You saw the Derek Carr stuff this morning. I mean, a friend who's a Saints fan texted me, look at us, we've got the best quarterback in the NFC South. And I said, you got the only quarterback in the NFC South. That's right. (laughs) Kyle Trask is the quarterback of the Bucs right now. Yeah, Kyle Trask with the Bucks, the Panthers, if they're letting Darnold walk, I guess it's PJ Walker, and the Falcons is Desmond Ritter. So no like, Matt Corral for you in Carolina. I guess he could come back. I completely forgot because he didn't play at all last year, but I guess he's an option. Um, I think they're going to be really heavy in the Will Levis um, and Anthony Richardson market trying to trade up to get one of them, but we'll see. I Matt Corral has always struck me as somebody who was going to get Jimmy Clausen of who a team uses a high draft pick on one year to kind of like be like, we're, we're, we're doing our job. We're getting a quarterback. We're, we're trying to build around them. And then the next year, they're just bad enough that they draft somebody number one. They weren't quite that bad, but still feels to me like they're going to try and be in the quarterback market this year. Nevertheless, there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. And for as high as I think the feelings are for Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, the floors are also pretty low. I'm just not excited at all about Will Levis. I keep saying that at his best, Will Levis can be as good as like late career Matthew Stafford, who's very good. Don't get me wrong. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl late in his career, but that's kind of how I profile. And I don't look at him and see Justin Herbert and Josh Allen like a lot of people do. I surely don't look at him and see Joe Burrow, which is something that he was trying to kind of peddle the narrative of. He he, he talks about how he's watching a lot of Joe Burrow tape and watching his footwork and trying to be like Joe Burrow. But so the masterfulness of Joe Burrow, the thing that makes him great, has nothing to do with any of his physical skills. It's just purely a mentality thing. Like Joe Burrow has that skill that very few players ever have had that Tom Brady, Joe Montana esque skill of just like when I'm on the field, all of my teammates truly believe we're going to win. I have not exactly seen that from Will Levis yet. Not to say he won't develop that, but there's a thing that Tom Brady and Joe Montana and Joe Burrow all had in common, which was college national championships. Well, that's why I could talk myself into Anthony Richardson way more. Because with him, I could come up with all the excuses about the coordinators. He he went through and cycled through Florida. At his best, he's Josh Allen. At his worst, he's RG3. 
Maybe. I, I think that, I mean, Levis, to be fair, the thing that people love about him was his best year in college was playing for Liam Cohen, at offensive coordinator, a NFL guy with translatable offense. Yep. And that's so fair. Even more so than even more so than Bryce Young, who played for Bill O'Brien, even that offense wasn't as applicable to the current NFL as what Will Levis was playing in. And people see that as making the transition to the pros easier than anybody else. Um, that said, dude also was through, I think, 14 or 15 interceptions that year. He was still somebody who needs to be ringed in a little bit. Is it still Bryce Young going 1-1? That would mean the Bears have to trade out. Yeah, I think that C.J. Stroud looked awesome. Don't get me wrong. C.J. Stroud looked fantastic. But you go back to what we were talking about of do you trust your eyes or do you trust your eyes? Bryce Young has this pit of your stomach fear when you're playing against him that I don't think you have with C.J. Stroud. And that's the least tangible thing you could ever talk about. But I compare it to compare the way Tennessee fans felt or LSU fans felt or Texas fans felt when Bryce Young had the ball with two minutes left against them to how Georgia fans would have felt with C.J. Stroud having the ball with four minutes to go against them. You're going to be a little bit more afraid that Bryce is going to do something. And in a matchup that's so even between them, I think there are a lot fewer red flags with C.J. Stroud, to be frank. I think that he is a more complete prospect. But the overwhelming positive for Bryce Young is dude just balls. Like every time he's on the field, there is that existential dread of, oh, if he has the ball last, my team's going to lose. Who's taking him one? The Texans? I feel like it's got to be the Texans. And I feel like the Jalen Carter stuff is going to complicate things of are the bills willing or sorry, are the bears willing to trade back? Because in the past you trade back to three or four, you know, you're either going to get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Now, if you're not as sold on the future of Jalen Carter, if there's still stuff up in the air there with his legal stuff, it's going to be tougher to justify trading back to four or five and saying we don't need a quarterback and we might miss Will Anderson. That's going to complicate things. I, Frankly, I don't think it's going to end up being an issue. I still think Jalen Carter is going to be one of the first five players off the board, but teams are going to have to do their diligence and they're going to have to figure out can team A afford to draft a guy with legal baggage. I, I really don't know how the Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions, some of these teams picking in the top six that theoretically might not pick a quarterback. I don't know how they're going to react to all this, and it might put more of a premium on Will Anderson early. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. 
and PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Which Ole Miss Rebel of the five that participated in the Combine helped themselves the most this weekend? Oh, it's got to be Mingo. Mingo looked good. Mingo looked good. He had one drop on a deep ball, which we've all watched Mingo for four years. The drops are going to happen every once in a while, but he ran a lot better than I thought he would. He he uh, looked good in routes. He looked crisp. I, I think that this receiver class is really small, generally speaking. You look at the Jackson Smith and Jigbas and the Jordan Addisons and the Jalen Hyatts and Zay Flowers and Josh Downs, a lot of these top receivers, with the exception of Quentin Johnston from TCU, are your 5'11", six-foot speed shift guys. Jonathan Mingo, not that. So in a draft where teams that need big-bodied receivers might be willing to stretch a little bit on one, Mingo did himself a favor by running fast and having a big body. Now, Mingo's tape is something that might still leave a little bit to be desired. He played four years in a, or I guess three years in a really pass-happy system and didn't really produce the way that you would have wanted. And obviously when I say pass-happy, I don't mean air raid. I just mean ability to get receivers the ball vertically. And he didn't produce exactly how you'd want in Kiffin's offense, but still the traits are there and I am not a traits guy. I love drafting on production first, but for the teams that do draft on body type, it's funny because we've all seen it. We've all seen Mingo play for four years. We all think he's a heck of a football player, but anytime an NFL draft guy is talking about him or an NFL fan, they look at him and they see the number one on his chest and they see the body type and they're like, oh, is this A.J. Brown number two? And everyone who's watched it for four years is like, no, like he's good, but he wasn't A.J. And that's not fair to compare anybody to A.J., but he wasn't A.J. in Oxford. And I think people are going to look at A.J.'s NFL success and that's going to help Mingo too because they are similar profiles. What was his draft range, do you think, going into the combine? What is it coming out? I think he probably went from early to mid-fourth rounder to maybe a late third now. Um, I think he he and Broker are probably going to be the first two Ole Miss guys off the board, which 
is wild to think about given who Zach Evans can be. But Zach didn't get to test because of a hamstring. So his injuries have always been a problem for him. Yeah, and that's kind of what's going to push him down the board along with it just being a really deep running back group. I think there are a lot of running backs that people really like in this draft class. I remember we did this podcast back in August and I was talking about my deep unwavering love for Devin A. Shane and now he's probably third or fourth running back off the board in this class and I think in past years, there are years he would have been number one off the board. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Zach's going to have to sell himself really well at Pro Day. I think Broker did a good job of selling himself. I, I give him some credit for that. Tavius ran really well. Yeah, I don't know Tavius if you watched too much Tavius. really, really well. Yeah, Tavius looked like somebody that a team could take a flyer on in the fifth or sixth and just think – yeah, no, I can I can mold something there. And worst case scenario, you use him as a third down edge rush specialist who's not playing the other two downs. But I think he looked good. Malik Heath didn't have a great day. I hate that for him, but Malik didn't do too much to impress. Well, the beauty of Tavius is I think a lot of next level evaluators when talking to him, when reading stuff, is his best football, at least in the minds of the majority, is still in front of him because he came sure. from Canada and he's a emer- he's an emerging prospect. He got better year to year to year, which is what you want to see and had his best year his last year. So they still look at him as far from a complete product. And when you look at the measurables, yeah. man, the measurables are insane. Yeah, he's he's intriguing. I think that I don't know what NFL team is going to think this way, but I look at him and I think that's a guy who maybe one year in his career can have an out of nowhere eight sack season. Yes, yeah, I don't think he's going to be an eight sack guy every year, but when he's 29, when he's 30, he might just have one year where people are like, where'd that come from? Who's that guy? And then he gets a big, huge second contract. Yeah. And who knows how those work out as we were talking about before the show, I'm currently writing a lot about Bud Dupree. Exactly. Who, That's why I brought it up. Very different, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, Tavius could have that sort of trajectory of when he hits his athletic prime, when he's 27, 28, 29 years old, he could have one balls to the wall year. Well, there is some little crossover of the audiences here because you're still in the South, you're in Nashville, a huge Ole Miss presence in Nashville. So I'm assuming a lot of Titans fans, what are the Titans going to do in the draft? They just, like you said, cut Bud Dupree, one of their big free agent acquisitions. So what are they going to do? What are they prioritizing? On top of Bud Dupree, two weeks ago, they cut Taylor Lewan and Robert Woods and Zach Cunningham and Randy Bullock. So That's a lot. They are, they are tearing down the veteran poles of the roster. And so you look at the first round, they're picking at number 11. There is a push from some of the fan base of trade up, try and get one of the quarterbacks, feel good about yourself for the future. I don't see a world where they can trade up for a rookie quarterback without including either Derrick Henry or Jeffrey Simmons in the trade, which makes your team a lot worse, obviously. Yeah, no, no. Um, so again, it's possible. It's conceivable that they could do it, but I think they're more likely to either sit at number 11 or trade back. If they sit at number 11, there's a really good chance they're in position to draft the first offensive lineman off the board. And there are three candidates there, uh, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, and Broderick Jones from Georgia. I like all three of them. I think that all three could be franchise cornerstone left tackles. Skaronsky's got some concerns about his arm length, which is just silly. <laughs> I, I think that we overestimate some of that stuff. All you got to do is pop on the tape and watch him not give up a sack to Aiden Hutchinson and not give up a sack to George Karloftis and not give up a sack to Lucas Van Ness and not give up a sack to Zach Harrison or JT, whatever Ohio State's guy's name is that I can't pronounce. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, You look at those things and you think, oh, he can do it. But then you look at Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones, two former five stars that were, I think, the number one and number two offensive tackle recruits in the country coming out of high school, both one-year starters at left tackle, because they come from football factories. They have a little bit less experience, but I don't think either of them 
gave up a sack before November 24th this year and playing at Georgia and Ohio State. That's pretty darn impressive. Um, I, I really like all three of them. I think the, the, the Titans probably can't go wrong either way, but maybe they're clear in space for a receiver. Maybe they're clear in space for an edge rusher. Maybe they're clear in space for a corner. I think there are a lot of guys to pay attention to there at 11. Devin Witherspoon, the corner from Illinois, and Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon, both guys who I know they're really impressed with. Edge rush, it could be somebody like a Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. It could be somebody like if Miles Murphy from Clemson or Tyree Wilson falls to 11. I don't think either of them will, but it's certainly conceivable. And then at receiver, I think it might be a little early, but if they trade back deeper into the first round, they could land themselves somebody like Jackson Smith and Jigbo or Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston. Who no, no, no. Jackson Smith and Jigbo has got to drop to the Cowboys at 26. I I think he's the first receiver off the board now after what he did on Saturday. He looked Shit. too good. Shit. He looked. Uh, did you look what his like three cone and his 20 yard shuttle and stuff like that were like coming off a hamstring injury to have like four, two in the 20 yard shuttle? Just dude had unreal footwork. Oh, I love his juice, man. It's like we forgot what he did in 2021. He put up 1,500 yards, for Christ's sake. On an offense that had the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year yep. and the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year runner-up. And the best wide receiver in next year's year. class. Yeah. Um, and let's not forget, my dad pointed this out when I was talking to him, they could have had Jamison Williams, and he chose to leave. I'm not going to play in this group. And he went to Alabama and was an All-American. And a first-rounder um, of the Lions. Guys were. Yeah, that's how good these guys were. So credit where credit is due to Jackson Smith and Jigba. We have retconned this whole thing of him not being um, the guy when I think there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. Well, you bring you make a really good point and bring up a good point about – how you're asked because of the way they profile, they look the exact same. Oh, is Jonathan Mingo the next AJ Brown? Well, how do we now grade or look or view the trade of the Titans of AJ Brown last year and drafting one of those kind of players who's not AJ Brown, but looks just like him in Traylon Burks? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you, if you track the branches of the trade, essentially the Titans got four draft picks for giving up AJ Brown because there were further trades after that. And the four players they got out of it were Traylon Burks, uh, who starts at receiver, Roger McCreary, who starts at cornerback, Nicholas Petit-Frere, who starts at right tackle, and Kyle Phillips, who was hurt last year, but conceivably would be their starting slot receiver and punt returner. Theoretically, by pure value, getting four starters is more important than having a number one wide receiver. But obviously, that's not how things work. Um, if you look at approximate value from pro football reference, I think last year, AJ Brown was only worth one less approximate value point than all four of those players were combined. And sure, that means you got more approximate value out of four players than the Eagles got out of one, but the Eagles also had three extra roster spots because of the trade that the Titans didn't have. Um, so you do kind of have to look at things in concert. I think Traylon Burks is going to be a good receiver. He was really peaking at the right time yeah. last year before uh, some injuries derailed him. And I still think he can be, I don't want him to say he'll be AJ Brown, but he reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel. I think he can be that kind of player for the Titans. The problem is the attention he's going to get because the Titans number two receiver right now is Nick Westbrook Aquina. They, they need some help for him. And whether that's drafted somebody like Cedric Tillman from Tennessee in the second round, or whether that's going out and signing somebody like J, uh, J, Juju Smith-Schuster or DJ Chark or something like that in free agency, they're going to need some help for him because he's going to get way too much attention. Is it crazy that I love Jalen Hyatt? Like for me, if the Cowboys don't take, aren't able to get Jackson Smith and Jigba at 26, take Jalen Hyatt. I love that so, kid. All I can say is Tennessean.com Tuesday morning. You might want to read my mock draft. Uh oh. I have, have the Cowboys, the Cowboys Hyatt. going. Do you have the Cowboys with Jalen Hyatt? I do. Let's go. 
I guess well, it's just a mock draft. Everybody has a mock draft. But yeah, I think well, that's a really good if you fit. wanted to, if you wanted to read about the Ole Miss basketball coaching search, which you don't have to participate in anymore, and I'm sure you're missing that, you go to the Ole Miss Spirit. Do you still go to the Ole Miss Spirit? No. I, I read I read the Ole Miss Spirit this morning. No. I read Jake's update of the baseball rankings. Oh. Why? Oh, you love college baseball. I I listened to the whole game on the radio yesterday, driving back from Indy. I listened oh. to like three hours of that Ole Miss baseball game. That's awesome. I'm again. I can't get out of this stuff this quick. Like, <laughs> I don't think system. I've watched. I don't think I've watched a second of college basketball this season, Ole Miss included, uh, and that's probably good for me. And when I got out of football, I didn't watch the Ole Miss Alabama game. I didn't watch the Ole Miss Arkansas game. I, I watched the Egg Bowl, but. Um, but they've played, what, 11 baseball games this year? And I'd say I've probably watched or listened to seven of them. Wow. Nick. Yeah, man. I, you're an Ole Miss baseball fan. Of, that is true. But I am also watching a lot of other. Like, I make fun of people so much for that sicko committee bullshit. Like, that stuff where people are like, look how cool I am. I'm watching 1AA football on a Wednesday night. I'm a sicko. I'm, I love sports. <laughs> and I make fun of that attitude so much because it's like, just talk to your family. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you, they miss you. But I found myself uh, two weekends ago, Becca was out of town, and I was like sitting on my bed watching Southern Miss versus Illinois in the 13th inning. Just like, yeah, this is the life, man. Yeah, you're sicko. You are a sicko. Yeah. And, watching, and you like did a good job John of Wright not Plumley play baseball last weekend. How'd he do? I watched like six innings of a UCF game. How'd he do? He played okay. He hit a home run the day before. I missed his home run day. But yeah, he's he's starting in center field most days. Oh man, I can just hear the middle aged women in Jackson just swooning hearing this. Yeah. No. Oh, again, John I Rice. if you need if you need me to come on and talk about just really nonsensical college baseball. Like I was sitting in a bar in Indianapolis the other day um, and it was just, nobody was out with me. So I just turned on, I knew YouTube was streaming Louisville, Texas A&M. And I was like, oh, that'll be a good game. And Louisville was up 14 to nothing. And I was like, oh, not a good game, but revenge for John Gaddis, I guess. Anytime Texas A&M loses, he's probably pumping his fist a little bit. What an amazing thing. How old are you now? I'm 28. You're 28. You're now married. So big life things are happening. You're working an unbelievable job, the Tennessee and covering the Titans. You made this huge, these two huge life moves pretty much around the exact same time, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're 28, and 30 years from now, when you're telling your grandkids or whoever about how your Ole Miss baseball fandom started, this is how. They won the title, you covered it, and then you had a clean break. So it's like not bad form to say, yeah, I love Ole Miss baseball. You listen to 7 of 11. You haven't listened to 7 of 11 of the Southern Miss games. No, that's true. You're an Ole Miss baseball fan. Have, uh, have I told you my Lambo story? Uh, we, can, we can tell this one on the podcast. What? What's your Lambo story? Uh, so the third or fourth Titans game I covered was a Thursday night at Lambeau Field, which is dream come true, obviously. Yes. You're covering a night game at Lambeau Field. It's snowing. It's the gorgeous. frozen tundra. It's exactly what you want a night game at Lambeau Field to be. And Derrick Henry notoriously takes a long time to come to his press conference. So we've interviewed everybody else. We've interviewed the coach. We've done the locker room. We're just sitting around under the stadium waiting for Derrick Henry to come out. And a TV reporter from, I think, Milwaukee walks up to me and just goes, Hey, not to be weird. You're Nick, right? That's a good and way to say, start. That's a good opener. And I say, yeah, yeah. What's up, man? And he shakes my hand. He's like, this is going to sound weird. I am a gigantic Ole Miss baseball fan. Awesome. And, and I just want to tell you, I really appreciate it. I read everything. That was awesome last year. And I think his name's Kyle. Shout out Kyle. What's he, up, Kyle? He worked... He worked with Elko at like Font du Lac or whatever yeah. uh, Northwoods League team he played at. Summer ball. And so he just like, yeah, so he just glommed on to Ole Miss after getting to know Tim um, in summer ball. And he was just like, yeah, man, I, I recognized you. And I was just like, if anyone can talk Ole Miss baseball, it's this guy. And I'm like, I'm at Lambeau Field. 
and people are like, hey, what's what's Josh Mallett's like? <laughs> That's awesome. That's I'm gonna awesome. be on my I'm gonna be on my deathbed someday, and people are gonna be like, "Good all, you're surrounded by all your children and grandchildren and all of the people who love you." But I must know. Remember that time Kemp killed that ball in in Coral Gables? What was that like? That was it, really cool. But the thing is, it, with your final breath, you'll be wearing uh, I don't know. Let's pick a, Tim Elko jersey. What will now be a classic jersey, a vintage Tim Elko jersey. Going, yeah, our boys. Tim Elko, a statue, and well, yeah, you'll be doing that. You're an Ole Miss my fan, final, now. Ole Miss baseball. My final words as I'm as I'm just breathing out will just be the love. Yeah, will never be gone. The love is not gone, and then you fade. Uh, and then that's exactly how it's going to get. No, dude, like I, I truly have. I mean, I went and watched a, a Vanderbilt UCLA game in person a couple of weeks ago. It is just a true love of college baseball. I, yes, I really do love yes, it. But yes, yes. The team but I'm most connected of to 11. by far is yeah, yeah. No, again, I was I was sitting there waiting to go out one night watching one of the Delaware games. I'm just like, what am I doing? You like almost so ba- you love almost baseball. We need you to so lean into this. Be- no, I did. I, I've admitted it. I'm not hiding it. But. I'm sitting there. I was Becca and I went to see Adam Sandler in concert on opening day. Oh. And so like it was awesome. It was fantastic. Great show. We played for like two hours and Kevin James was his opener. So <laughs> a lot of comedy out of it. But so it was opening day and I was sitting there thinking, shit, if I still covered college baseball, I would have had to miss this because I would be watching Ole Miss Delaware. But did you but check the score? Token, I did. Not during the concert, but like that was like the second thing I did after the show. Like I texted some friends, and then I was like, oh, I wonder what the final score was. <gasps> we need you to totally lean into it because, man, we could get you throwing a first pitch. You know, we could do some video content with you and B. I mean, it's all now. Oh, I mean, Ole Miss comes to Vandy next weekend. I want to say the 15th, 16th, 17th or something like that. You got to go. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's in town, find me in left field. You you got to go. You need to be down on the field. We need to get you a press pass. It needs to be like a reunion. Oh, Mike would be thrilled. Just you know. Yeah, he'd look at you like, oh, Nick, it's good to see you. And you're just waiting for him to say something really smart assy, but with a smile and very Catholic, so it's nice. But you know, oh, it's I give, me. I give Mike credit in that I covered the man for four full seasons, and I don't think he ever blew up at me which I will take as a compliment. Well, well, you know by working beside me, like he never, he's never blown at me either. We just are always smart asses to each other. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's like, there's different personalities to Mike Bianco. Yeah, and I, I always, I've actually quoted him in passing a couple of times because... <laughs> You're an always baseball the, fan? No, no, no. He, there's one quote he told me that's like the most intellectual approach to leadership ever. And anytime people are just like, oh, this team needs leaders. I can quote what Mike said to me once when I was talking to him about how he didn't get fired last year. We were before Omaha, we were talking for like 20 minutes about how he kept his job. And he said something along the lines of everyone always asks at the beginning of the season, who are your leaders? And I just want to look at them and say, I don't know. We'll see when we lose four in a row. Like, you don't know who your leaders are when things haven't happened yet. You don't know who your leaders are when things are going good. You got to wait for bad things to happen and you hope bad things don't happen. But when bad things happen, you learn a lot about yourself. And I wish more coaches would say things like that. Other than just like, Oh, we got great leaders. Everybody on our team's awesome. They love each other. Great team chemistry. The clubhouse is awesome. Best shape of your life. Just being like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Bad things are going to happen. Of course there is an exception to the rule when it's Tim Elko. Oh, sure. But it wasn't Tim who was yelling at the team after they almost got run ruled by FEMA. Who was yelling? I can't remember. I I think first it was five, and then I think it was Van Cleve came out next. See, and you always wonder why Van Cleve was getting at bats when he couldn't hit a home run despite looking like a gorilla. And, like, he he struck out. He He was a frustrating player, but that's why. He was a leader. Yeah, no, him and, and Trophy and Brandon Johnson and these guys were vocal. There, I mean, not to rehash something that all of you guys listening know, but there were some special dudes in that clubhouse, and that's a big reason why they were able to win a national championship. 
Well, a former special dude in the media clubhouse at Ole Miss was Nick Suss, and now he's covering the Tennessee Titans for the Tennessee. And thanks for doing this, man. Good catching up at Nick Suss. How can they read your stuff? Yeah, Tennessean.com and uh, still at Nick Suss on Twitter. And I've plugged this enough times. You guys know what I am. Ben, just tell me something else to plug. I got to practice my plugs. We finally give in and do our weekly podcast together. Yeah, no. So, so Ben and Nick, we're doing a podcast it's called Suss Garrett. We couldn't come up with a better name. It's coming out Wednesdays on the Audience Network. It's uh, owned by DirecTV. It's weird. It's like one of those back channel channels that nobody's heard of. But we'll be talking about everything. We're we're going to start with uh, an episode where Ben finally lays into me about my feelings about how I met your mother, and we're going to oh. work from there. And um, then we'll talk about how I met your father. It's really going to be a show, a podcast about those two shows, and that's all it'll be. It's going to be but very meta. We, it's a podcast about a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's. And you guys will love it. We're going to have special guests on. Uh, our first guest, actually, gosh, it's Austin Butler. Straight off of Elvis, his his next role is talking to us. Oh, breaking news in my ear. Career. Sorry to interrupt. Breaking news. Producer's telling me Austin Butler is canceled. Uh, oh, he canceled? He's been replaced by Mike Bianco. Oh, he'll be five. Okay, that'll that's a, that's a worthy replacement. There we go. He's Nick <laughs> Suss. Thank you, man. Enjoyed it. All right. Happy to talk, buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.